There's a deep sense of unease in our rapidly changing world. We all know something has been lost, but we don't know why or where it all leads. Pop culture tells us it's all about me and that we should worship our own creations rather than the creator. In politics, the end justifies the means. In relationships, love means self-satisfaction. In life, status and appearance are what count. In the church, confusion replaces clarity and conviction. Our faulty and distorted view of God is at the root of all our problems. But what if we viewed God differently? What if we saw Him the way He longed for us to see Him? We can worship a God who is holy, wise, and just, one whose faithfulness and goodness are matched by His power and sovereignty over all things. This is a God who can deliver us from evil and transform lives. This is a God worth worshiping. The way back, the path of hope starts with knowing God for who He really is. We need to know the real God. So thankful. Let's give God a hand, man. What a great day. Great day it's been so far. Just to worship the Lord and, uh, and just to be a part of the service today has been a joy. We've been in a series entitled The Real God, and we're looking at God for his character, just to understand who he really is, not who I want him to be, or not who I've been shaped. You know, a lot of times we've been shaped. Our view of God can get a little bit distorted and get shaped by maybe things that have happened in our life that have been harmful, that have been painful. It could be shaped by maybe somebody that gave us a distorted view of God. They made God, you know, they, they made him look like a policeman to you. And uh, so what we want to do today is we want to come back and we want to look at God for who he really is. What does he say he is in the word? And so um, God's given us three ways that he's revealed himself. He's revealed himself through nature. He's revealed himself through his word. And he's revealed himself in Jesus Christ. So what we want to do is we want to take a look at who is God. And today we're taking a look at the aspect of the goodness of God, that God is good. And, uh, you know, sometimes you hear people say the phrase, uh, God is good all the time. And uh, you'll hear the pastor will say it, God is good, and the congregation responds all the time. Then the pastor says, all the time. Then the congregation says, God is good. Let's try that this morning. You ready? God is good all the time. All All right, let's try that one more time. You ready? God is good all the time. time. Okay, now, when when you think that God is good... What comes to your mind? You're thinking that he's good. Now, I know you're not supposed to define the word with the word, right? So whenever you think of God as being good, what does that really mean to us? I mean, we think of uh, wholesome things. We think of great. We think of beauty. We think of the beauty of good, uh, the benefit of good. And, uh, and so when someone's good to you, you, you understand what that means when you, when you know that they're good. So today we're going to look at the goodness of God. And I'm going to start out here in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Um, Mark chapter 10, I don't believe this is on the screen, but Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before God, before him. And he said, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I'm in Mark 10, 17. And uh, why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. 
So he says to him, good teacher, this, Jesus is on his final approach into Jerusalem. It's his last time that he'll be heading there for Passover. It's his last journey in. And as he's going through, uh, a man comes up to him and he gets on his knees and he says, good teacher. Now, let me tell you, this was, this was out of the ordinary. You didn't call a rabbi good. In Jewish days, they wouldn't come up and say, good rabbi. Good teacher, that was uncommon. You would never hear somebody do that. So when this man came up and he says, good teacher, good rabbi, you know what? He's making a big statement here. Because good in the Jewish culture was only reserved for God. They, only re- they would only refer to God the Father as good. So what Jesus, when Jesus responds, he says, why do you call me good? Uh, no one is good except God alone. He was, not, he was not denying his deity. He is claiming his deity. He's, he's allowing this man who comes on the road, and he's saying, oh, listen, only God is good. You're calling me good. Good teacher. And so this morning, uh, you know, he continues on. He tells him how to have eternal life. He tells him it's a matter of the heart to love God and to love others. And, and, but this morning, I want to focus on, on that title. He's, he calls him good. And so this morning, I want you to think about what does the word good mean? So I looked it up, and that word there in in the Greek is agathos. And agathos means excellent, okay? It means great. It means uh, um, there's a a beauty in in, in the benefits of being good. And so when, when you're looking at that, you say, that is what he was using, that word. He's excellent in character. He he's beneficial. He is useful. He is good. And the Old Testament would use a word called good. And when you see in the Old Testament the word good, it often is used in this. That God is pleasant, agreeable, excellent, valuable, benevolent, and kind. So we, we see all this good characteristic coming from God himself. So one, there's two aspects here of the goodness of God. One is his character, his person. Uh, that's who he is. He is good. He is perfect in all of his ways. He is good. You know, when, when, you come to, when you come to know God, I want you to understand this about God. There is nothing that you can do to add to him to make him more good. You cannot make him better. You cannot make him greater. You know, as, as you're my friend, you can say, oh, yeah, Ken's a great guy. But you know what? If he would just do this he'd be a little bit better of a friend, right? If he were just a little bit more faithful or if he did certain things, you could, you could add to me so that I would, you could see that I would be better. But when you come to God, he is good. He is the definition of good. And in him, there is nothing that you can add to him that would make him a better God. There's nothing that you can say or think about him that will make him to be more good than he already is because he is good. And then the second prong. So the first prong is his person. The second prong is his actions. We find that his actions, all of his actions are good. He is good. He is perfect in all of his ways. So everything he does is good. And as a matter of fact, all good things come from the Father. All good things come from God. Psalm 119 says that you are good and what you do is good. God is good and what he does is good. So um, this morning, I want you to understand that God does good things. Uh, He extends his goodness to others. His nature is to be kind, to be generous, to to demonstrate goodwill towards men, to take great pleasure in making, uh, making us find ourself in him. 
You, you, the deepest longings of your heart can only be found in the goodness of God. And this is where the problem comes. Because throughout life, we try to go in, into the world in which we live, and we try to find our longing of our heart in any other area but the goodness of God. We think that we may find it in a relationship. We think that we may find it in a job and a career and all these things. But it's only wrapped up in the goodness of God. As a matter of fact, everything that you have that is good has come from God. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There is no variation in our God. There is no shadow of turning with him. And he says that every good and perfect gift in your life has come from the Father above. So that is the people that God placed in your life. God placed everybody that's in your life. They're there by the hand of God. Now here's where the hard part comes in. If God is so good, why do I experience pain? And this is a real issue. If God is so good, why am I suffering with a loss of relationship? Maybe a loved one has, has went on before us and they've gone on to be with the Lord and, and I'm still here and I'm dealing with this pain and this heartache. If God is so good. So here, here's, here's the deal, folks. Number two, a couple things to remember. Number one, we live in a fallen world. Our world is fallen. We are here for but a season. Uh, you and I, we're... God didn't, didn't place us to be on this earth forever. We are here for, for a small season. If you make it 90 years, that seems really long. But, you know, I turned 50 this year, and I'm thinking about halftime. I'm like, boy, I guess I'm maybe into the third quarter already, right? And it's like you, you, start, you start thinking about that. And it's like, wow, life is short here. So I want you to value all those people in your life because God has placed them there. For such a time as this, and every person that God placed in your life is, is, a, is a good and perfect gift. They're from the Father above. And then you go back and you say, well, but I'm hurting because they're gone. And, and yes, you know what? This truth, we hurt. We grieve. We have pain. These are the hardest times of our life, right? Whenever we experience the loss. But I want you to know that God, in all of his ways, he was perfect and he gave you that person. And if we can just start to understand that, start to comprehend that God is always good. He's always, always good in all of his ways. So, so maybe it was a, a job. Maybe you had a job and, and, and your job is now expired. Your job is gone. And you say, well, why would God do that? Two things, we're in a fallen world. Number two is that God is always good. And if God is always good, he's good whenever our job phases us out and says it's time for somebody else to do your job. Or we, we're going to close our company. Or, or whatever, the, the, whatever the company does, right? God is always good. And, and we, see, we see life through the lens of the goodness of God. And so we've got to begin to look at our problems through the goodness of God and not look at God through the problems of life. Do you see the difference? Many times people will look at problems... And they see, they're trying to interpret God through their problems. No, no, look at God and let him interpret your problems. Because your problems, all of our problems in this world are real, they're legitimate, they are painful. 
They cause us grief. Our heart aches in many ways. The scriptures say that many times we groan. And sometimes I really feel like that. I feel like, man, man, I've gone through periods of time where maybe it'd be a few months, like I felt like all I did was groan. Like, oh, my, this is hard. But God was still good in those hard times. And let me tell you another way that he's good in those hard times. He is the one who gives you the strength to get through those hard times. When God gives us the strength. So we have to keep coming back and looking to the goodness of God. And keep uh, and interpret life through the goodness of God. Not life. And not, not, don't interpret God through the problems of life. Um, you know, and in my flesh, the... the the Apostle Paul said in Romans 7.18, he says, In me, that is in my flesh, there is no good thing. There is nothing good. So uh, my, God is good, and I am the one who's not. He is perfect in all of his ways, and I am the one who's not. And yet, through Christ, we get to have a relationship with him. And he comes and he takes all of your downfall. He takes all of your shortcoming. And he builds something good in your life. He builds his character in your life. There was a little boy that prayed. And uh, he was known. uh, A pastor shared one day that a little boy prayed and said, Help me to be a good boy, God. And God, you be a good God too. Right? And sometimes that's how we want to treat God, isn't it? God, help me to be good, but you better be good. And here's the deal. God is already good. He is perfect in all of his ways. He is good. You cannot add to him. You cannot subtract from him. He is good. And, and goodness is the foundation of his character. If you can take and just imagine with me the foundation. Anybody ever play the game Jenga? All right, you play that? All right. You got to take out a piece. You know, I lose at that game. That's why I don't play it too often, all right? I just always lose. I saw somebody on, on, online, they could do stuff real fast. It's like, yeah. But for most of us, we take out, if you take out that, you know, it's a bunch of blocks, and you, you stack up all these blocks. And if you go down to the very last one, take the corner block out, you pull that out, basically that baby's going to come down. And that is what goodness is to God. Goodness is the foundation of his character. And I think many times we misunderstand his holiness because we don't understand that he's good. Some people say, oh, well, you know, God's holy, and they, they make this policeman view of his holiness. And we're going to get, when we get to holiness, you're going to have some, it's going to be really exciting when we understand how holy he is and how awesome he is. But you cannot interpret all these things. You cannot look at his love without his goodness. You cannot look at his holiness without his goodness. You cannot look at his sovereignty without his goodness. Because his goodness is what it all rests on. Goodness is where we get the relational aspect of God. There's an intimate term uh, that he is good. So for God to be good, even when things are bad, God is still good. Uh, And we see that. Last week we looked at Moses. Moses had said, Lord, show me your glory. And, and God says, uh, I will make my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now, this is so powerful. He says, I want to see you, Lord. And he says, I will let my goodness pass. His goodness. What, 
Of all the words that he chose, he chose goodness. Why would he use the word goodness there? And God himself says, my goodness will pass before you. He says, Moses, you're going to be hidden in a, in a, in a cave. You're going to be in a cleft of the rock. And I'm going to cover you there with my hand. I'm going to cover you there because I am always good. I am good. And so I'm going to take care of you. And now, now this is what was really wild to me about that, that passage in Exodus 33. 33 and 34. He says, you can't see my face. So you're going to go into the cleft of the rock. I'm going to have my hand will cover you and my goodness will pass by. And when I pass by, I will take my hand off and you'll see my back as, as you leave, as I leave. And so, so I, I started to think about this. In our life, the goodness of God, many times we cannot see it. God is covering us. There, there's pain you're going through in your life. It's hardship. There's tough times. And God has got you in the cleft of the rock. And he covers you with his hand. And his goodness is upon you. But yet, you're afraid. Yet, you're in pain. Yet, you cannot see that it was the goodness of God. Four things happen to us whenever we don't know that God is always good. We can chant it, we can say it, but to know it, not from a head belief, but down to a heart belief, to really know that God is good. This morning, if you're taking notes, the fill in the blank is on the back of the bulletin. When I don't know that God is good, I stop praising God. And that's just what happens. When I don't know that God is good, I stop praising God. And I'll take it a step further. I start complaining. When God's not good, I stop praising him and I start complaining about all that he's done or what everybody else around me is doing, right? Uh, you see this in the Psalms all the time. They had to constantly come back and get retuned, and our hearts have to constantly come back and get retuned. We get retuned with the grace of God because God is moving and he's, he's changing our life as we go. But look at Psalm 100. Psalm 100 verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us. We are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. And then verse 5. Here it is. Verse 5. Here is that foundation piece. For the Lord is good. Read it with me. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. That is the, the whole, that, all that five verses there, that whole chapter of Psalm 100. It is all based on verse five. If the Lord were not good, but he says the Lord is good. For the, the that word for there, pay attention Here's why. He just gave us four verses. Make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord with gladness. I dare say if you're serving him without gladness that you're not serving him at all. To serve him with a bad heart is not serving him at all. He says, serve him with gladness. Come before him with joy, with singing on our hearts, okay? And, and so if we try to take that, we try to muster that up, that says, try harder, try harder, try harder. No, God doesn't tell you to try harder. He says, I'm going to give you the reason why you can serve 
with joy. I'm going to give you the reason why you can have this joy in your life. All right? He says, serve the Lord with glass. Know that he is God. We are the sheep of his pasture. In other words, we are the people in his pasture. He's not in ours. We're in his. He's the one who has the flock under control. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. I ask you this morning, when you got up and you came into church this morning, did you bless the name of the Lord? Did you give thanks to him? Even though it's 45 degrees. To give thanks to him. Now here's why. Verse 5. Because the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness is to all generations. The children of Israel. They had been released out of Egypt. They were slaves for 400 years. They saw the mighty hand of God at work. They got, they, they got out of the desert. They're in the desert 40 years wandering. Then they get into the promised land. God takes them after 400 years and then another 40 years in the desert. Now they're in the promised land. And all along the way, they had the faithful God. And the psalmist here says, God's faithfulness didn't stop when we got out of Egypt. It didn't stop when we were taken to the Red Sea. It didn't stop whenever we got to the promised land. He says it endures forever to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. Folks, the reason that I can get so excited about our great God is that his love endures forever. He is good. And so what he does, he takes his goodness, and that endures not only to me, but endures to my children. And endures to my children's children. And endures to my children's children's children. And it's going to go to their children's children's children. And you figure that out, okay? In other words, long after this old man is gone, God is faithful. And that is why we can come to him. He says, because the Lord is good. That's it. He is good. He is faithful. So I want to encourage you to come to know that he is good, that he is faithful. Because and look at your life. Have you, have you been praising God lately? Or have you making God aware of all the problems? How many, how many in your prayer life do you come to him with a list of problems and this much praise? Or are you praising him like this? And the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. But yet I have these problems over here. And these problems are really big and they're, they're causing me so much pain, God. But I forgot to praise you. I forgot to praise you. So what happens when we do that? We get our mind off of all these problems because he's in charge of them anyhow. And we come back and we can identify him as good. But when we start focusing on these problems, we begin to slowly taint that somehow God is not good. I asked my wife if I could share this illustration because uh, this past week we were down in, um, down in Lynchburg. We went to a conference down there, a pastor's conference, and had a great time. And Friday morning, we're getting in the car, we're, we're on the way back, and, and I was doing what good husbands do. She wanted to stop for breakfast, and I said no. So I just kept going, right? And I said, well, we'll get there, honey. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. And, you know, I, I kind of knew the area, and I knew that there was nothing to stop. So I just said, when I see something, I'll stop. So it's, it's now about 20 minutes after 10. She has to go to the bathroom. It's not a pleasant situation. And, uh, and she's, like, not giving me any other option. We have to stop. And 
She wants breakfast because I didn't stop for breakfast yet, right? So we're on the road. We're coming up. We're up in Virginia somewhere, and she pulls out that phone, you know. She needs a Chick-fil-A for breakfast. There can't just be any breakfast. It's got to be Chick-fil-A. And if you know anything about Chick-fil-A, folks, 1030 is when they stop serving breakfast. I looked at the the clock on my dashboard. It said 1020. I'm like, Lord, please save me. You know, this is not going to be good. She goes, good news. I found a Chick-fil-A. It's 3.4 miles away. It says we'll get there by 1026. I'm like, and we'll have four minutes left to get our breakfast, right? So she's just so happy. I mean, if I would have known that's all it took, folks, you know, I mean, it's, I'm Chick-fil-A all day, right? It's wonderful, right? So, so she, she's just so happy. And we're driving, as we're driving, we're, we're almost to there. She goes, God is good. We found a Chick-fil-A. God is good. And then the very next statement, and we're la- we were laughing about it. She goes, but if that bathroom's closed, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> and I thought, isn't that a snapshot of us with life in general? Chick-fil-A's closed. Uh, Chick-fil-A is open. It's great. God's, you know, everything's wonderful. I'm going to get my breakfast before 1030. However, if that bathroom's closed, I'm like, honey, I'll let you out on the side of the road. We'll just still go to the bathroom. I might even wait for you. Who knows, you know? So it's just, it's just like, wow. So as, as we start to see this, look how we go through life. God is good, but I'm going to be really mad. And I think it's the wrong perspective. And that's why God gave us his word to tell us who he is. Because we do go through that anger. We do get upset when things don't go our way. We do struggle. And God says, remember that I'm good. Remember that I'm good when things are bad. Remember that I am always, always good. And I'll tell you what, I've been through some really hard times in my life. Um, And at those times, standing, grieving, tears running down my eyes, I didn't say, man, let's have a party. No, I stood with tears running down my eyes. Many times put my head on a friend's shoulder and just saying, God is good. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. But God is still good. And I know that he hasn't left me. And I want to invite you to that kind of God. He doesn't expect you to always have a party. But he wants you to know that he is always good. He is always, always good. When I don't know that God is good, I stop praying. I stop praying. It's just so easy to happen, isn't it? If I don't think he's good, if I don't, How can I even talk to him if I don't think he's good? Goodness is the very foundation of his character, right? Look what Jesus said here in Matthew 7, verse 9. Uh, What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? No, No human parent would do that. You come, you know, your kid needs bread. You don't say, hey, here's a a couple stones. Uh, Here, you, you want some fish? Yeah, here's a snake I have in the backyard. No, you, you're good parents. As a matter of fact, he says, the next verse, he says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He's a good, good Father. 
He is perfect in all of his ways. And he says, if you will just come and ask, he is the one who gives the good things. No good thing will he withhold from his children. And so when we come to understand that he's good, look here at Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly to the throne of our good and gracious God. He is good. He is gracious. Come boldly. I get to come in before the throne room of God and I get to talk to him. And look what he says here. He says, there we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it. Folks, there are things in your life you say, I don't know how I ever got through that. That was the roughest period of my life. I don't know how I ever got through that. And may I share with you, this is the verse. It says that there you would receive his mercy and his grace to help you, not now, but when you needed it. Now, think about that. You've got some tough times. Maybe some of you are in a season right now. This is the toughest moments of your life. God promises that he will give his mercy and his grace when we need it. Why? Because he is a good, he is a gracious God. It doesn't mean that we get what we want. It means that he is a good and gracious God. Psalm sixty-nine, sixteen: Answer me, O Lord, out of the goodness of your love. Out of the goodness of your love. So, so we keep seeing this word goodness. He's good, he's good. Um, where, where are you at this morning? Are you a complaining person? Or are you a praising person? Are you a complaining person or are you a praying person? You're praying. Do you, do you come and trust him? The next thing is when I don't know that God is good, I stop trusting God. You just, you just stop. You give up trust. Uh, Psalm 16 verse 1 and 2 says, Keep me safe, O God. I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. Every good thing. God is good all the time. Psalm 119, verse 65. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. You can go and find it. It's kind of right dab in the middle of the Bible. And uh, Psalm 119, uh, Chuck Green's doing a teaching series for the men on Wednesday night uh, over here. And it's a fabulous, fabulous passage. And I'm sure they will be in there many weeks. It's a great study. But I just want to give you a little, little passage from within Psalm 119. Verse 65, the psalmist prays to God, Do good to your servant according to your word, O Lord. Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I believe in your commands. He says, do good to your servant. Do you, do you see the position here? God, you're God. I'm asking you to do good to me. Not, hey God, you're my servant, do as I please. God, here's your servant. Please do good unto me. The next verse, he says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Uh, Before I had these problems in my life, I was doing my own thing, but now I'm obeying your word. And you look and you say, there's power to the affliction. It got him on the right track. He, He goes on, he says, You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Teach me your word. Teach me your ways, Lord. What you do is good. I don't necessarily understand your decrees. He says, I don't necessarily understand them, but teach them to me. Uh, God, you are good, and the way that you act is good. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I keep your precepts with all of my heart. 
Their hearts are calloused and unfeeling, but I delight in your law. Calloused and unfeeling. Delight in the law of God that he is good. I delight in your goodness. Their hearts are calloused. Where are you at today? Next verse is really, really heavy. When I read this, I almost fell over. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. What? It was good for me. God, you are good. Those problems that I face, God, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I may learn who you are. Do you know, I don't really learn when times are easy, do you? You learn when you get that phone call. You learn whenever life gets knocked out from underneath of you. You learn when there's nothing else to trust but God. And God says, the psalmist says here to God, it was good for me. Why? Because I know you more than I've ever known you before. That's not the American dream, is it? But it is God's desire that you would know him and that he would meet your heart's desire because nothing else this world offers will fill that. The law of your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Your word, your ways, God, because you are good, because you are good, this means more to me. Your words mean more to me than all the money in the world. When I don't know that God is good, I lose hope. I lose hope. Psalm 27, 13 says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart had I not seen, had I not believed that I would see the goodness of God still in my lifetime. Wait on the Lord, verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of courage and he'll strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. That word wait, this is me. Right? Get all antsy. Go to the doctor's office. I hate going to the doctor's office. They make you get on a scale. It's horrible, you know? Just like, just sitting there. They're going to take my blood pressure. That's not what this word is talking about. The idea of wait is not sitting there doing nothing. It is continue serving. Continue serving. It is trusting. Trust. Serve. Trust. Serve, trust, serve, trust. Keep going for the Lord. Why? Because he says he is of, be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. Keep going, I say. Wait, trust on the Lord. I want to encourage you this morning. Hope is trusting God's goodness. It really is. Hope is trusting God's goodness. And the goodness of God is found in Jesus. You'll never find the goodness of God outside of Jesus. He came to this earth. He gave us his word. He gave us creation. And then he gave us himself. And when Jesus came to this earth, he said, 
Uh, John 1.12 says, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Today I invite you to become a child of God. I invite you to trust him in all of his goodness. His goodness was most displayed at the cross whenever our ungoodness was displayed. Whenever our, 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 our rottenness, our, our, our failures, our shortcomings, our sin was all out in the open, God says, my goodness, I love you. And my goodness, I'm coming. I'm paying for your sin. And my goodness has taken care of it at the cross. And when he did that, he paid the price for your sin once for all forever. And he says, if you'll just receive him, you'll have eternal life. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd just like to invite you to Jesus. Maybe you're in this place this morning and you're saying, Pastor Ken, I need to trust Jesus. I want to trust the goodness of God. You said as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the family, the children of God. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray with me, to call on God and invite him into your life. Just right now this morning in the quietness of this place, just call on him and say something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. But I believe that you died on the cross for me. You paid for my sin. You came back to life for me. And I invite you into my life right now. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, If that was you this morning, you just prayed to receive God into your life. I'd like to remember you in a closing prayer. Would you just raise your hand up and down and I'll pray for you? Are there others? I see that hand. Are there others? God bless you. I see that hand. Are there others? God bless you. Are there others? Just all over this place. God's been so good. And then for others that have been believers in this place for a long time, maybe you haven't really been trusting and waiting on his goodness. Maybe you've been in pain and the pain is insurmountable. The pain is unbearable. May I give you hope? The hope is in the goodness of God. Understand that he is good. He is perfect in all of his ways and even in the ways that he's worked in your life. Lord, be with your people this morning, Lord, for these many people in this room that have opened their hearts to Jesus, Lord. I pray, God, that as they've trusted you, as they've invited you in this morning, God, would you do a miracle in their life? Give them the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, may they just come to grips with the sacrifice that you gave them on the cross. I thank you, and I pray your blessing upon those folks this morning, And I pray for every person in this place, Lord. Help us as we wrestle with God is good. But life is hard. But God is still good. This morning, just with our heads bowed, no one looking around, I'm going to just ask you to sing a little song with me. It's It's an old song. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good to me. And as I sing it, if you know it, you catch it, just start singing with me, all right? Let's sing together. God, you're so good. God.
let's stand together. Let's try it together. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so again and as we sing feel free to come and kneel at the altar this morning let's worship him all right god you're so good Sing, you're so good. 